Hello, this is Troy Woolwage, Marketing Manager for Yamaha Percussion. In this episode, Yamaha Percussion Artist Dennis DeLucia sits down with Yamaha Percussion Product Manager Joel Tetzlop to talk about all things Yamaha marching drums. For those of you not familiar with Dennis, he is one of the most respected percussion teachers, arrangers, clinicians, and judges in the United States. Dennis is best known for his accomplishments with the championship drum corps, including Hawthorne Machachos, Bayonne Bridgman, Star of Indiana, and the Crossman, as well as senior corps such as the Sunrisers and Cavaleros, and championship bands such as Piscataway High School. He appears as an expert analyst for the DCI telecast on ESPN2 and serves on the task force for WGI indoor percussion. He is one of the first percussionists to have been inducted into the WGI Hall of Fame, the World Drum Corps Hall of Fame, and the Drum Corps International Hall of Fame. So, let's get started. Guys? Dennis DeLucia, and I'm here at the uh, home offices of the Yamaha Corporation of America, Band and Orchestral Division. We're in Buena Park, California, and I'm with my good buddy Joel Tetzloff, who is the percussion product specialist for Yamaha. Joel, how long have you been with the company? I've been with Yamaha nine years. Started out in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I moved here about uh, to Buena Park, California about four years ago, so uh, this is our new home, if you will. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin, and then I found myself going to school in Minnesota, of all places. <laughs> Not anywhere warmer, but uh, I found myself going to school there. Uh, and then as an intern, uh, I had to complete an internship program. And what's your degree in? Uh, music management, which is kind of a, a kind of an educated degree combined with some business experience, you know, yeah. <laughs> kind of thrown together. But some core classes that were very interesting in the recording industry, the manufacturing industry, that uh, kind of led me to... You know, I've always kind of liked the nuts and bolts of things, so I found myself really at home here at Yamaha with some, some great products and, uh, and, again, some things, that some, some real aggressive ideas that we wanted to put into place. I find that to be a fascinating major nowadays, uh, especially, you know? Yeah, it, uh, years ago there was only a few schools that had a major, and uh, now it's found itself uh, quite a few courses across the country. Uh, Madison, Wisconsin, so of course I know that you marched in the Madison Scouts back in the day. Uh, when was that? I, I marched, uh, my first year was 93 and my last was 94, so it was a, <laughs> a quick experience, but uh, a great drum corps to be associated with, and um, I think it, uh, as drum corps does for many kids, it taught me a lot of great life experiences, and I think the experience itself really uh, gave me great goals and um, you know, it allowed me to concentrate, you know, at work even today. It, it, it helps me just be disciplined, you know, in, in whatever I'm doing, so. What was some of the repertoire you played in the years you marched? Well, my favorite in 93 was Strawberry Soup. That was, yeah, uh, that, great. that got the crowd on their feet and the diversity of the time signatures and all those kind of things is just, uh, it was a real challenge, but at the same time, very rewarding to learn and play.
94, we, we ended with Malaga, which is uh, kind of a variation of Malaguania in my opinion, but um, kind of a classic Scouts, you know, uh, Latin jazz kind of feel to it. Uh, again, it was just a, a real crowd pleaser. So it was, again, that was one of my favorite parts. And of course, uh, that was Jeff Moore's first two years with the Madison Scouts as the, mm -hmm. the caption hit of the percussion and uh, just some really fun writing percussively. So You played snare? I actually played cymbals. I was actually a cymbal player. I uh, tried out for just about everything, really. And uh, initially, I didn't make a core, which is kind of an interesting story, too, because um, I was like the, the last guy to get cut, basically. They just had a lot of people returning that year. And um, it was by just by chance, after a month, they called me back and said, hey, we had somebody that just really isn't going to be able to march the season. Would you like to do it? And, and I right away was like, you bet, you know, just sign me up now and I'll be there next week, you know, at rehearsal. So it, it actually made me realize how lucky I was to make the Corps and how out of 128 kids, I was one of those kids that year. And I, I know a lot of kids that share that same experience, you know, <laughs> just feeling lucky to be a part of something so great. Any great moments? I mean, any embarrassing moments? <laughs> so, we only have two uh, minutes for that Yeah, yeah. Though, so. I, I don't think there was anything that stuck out too much. I, I think that Come I had... My <laughs> I had a few claims to fame, and uh, not much we could probably talk about here, but we, we had a lot of fun, and the friendships that I made during that time in my life, is, uh, there's still a, a great deal of those people still in my life today, and obviously being involved with the activity is such an honor. To, to still be able to involve with it and to have grown up with it, to find that as a part of my everyday work is, is, is a real pleasure as well. Well, you know, uh, I've been privileged to have been on the DCI broadcast yeah. for 12, 13 years now. And this year, as you know, we did a, a piece on some uh, people who came through the drum corps movement and have made it quite big in, in the real world. A couple of Blue Man guys from New York and Chad Sexton from uh, 311. And yeah. uh, it was really interesting in those interviews to hear them talk so glowingly about what drum corps meant to them. Now, you don't play. You're not a professional player, but you are a percussion industry person. How did your drum corps experience help you in the real world? Well, there's a real identification with the people that I work with, that so many of us in the drum corps idiom have, have marched and have sat on buses for hours and slept on a thousand gym floors and just the whole experience of touring in itself. I think there's a great deal of respect. I think in, in my everyday life, the one thing that I really cherish about my drum corps experience is just that being able to travel, the diversity of people that you meet and, and run into just, just by chance you're on tour with one core or another and you make friendships just across those boundaries of you know competitors really but on the same sense we're all a musical family when you were with the scouts did you when you were traveling touring the country did you find that there were certain parts of the country that responded differently than other parts of the country or were the, were the scouts so popular <laughs> that whether you went to the east coast or down south or the midwest the, the, the audiences responded universally was there a difference I didn't see much of a difference. The energy level, the, the level of performance that the scouts had, and just the concept of a show of getting people to respond to, to somebody performing, 128 kids at the time, performing that type of show, really, no matter where we went, they would be standing and cheering. And, and it wasn't because we were from that region of the country, or we, we, they even knew where Madison, Wisconsin was, for that matter, but they just had an appreciation for what was going on in the field. And, and and that seemed to be universal across the states. There was just 
everybody seemed to like the scouts. Now, the scouts are one of only two all-male corps left, <laughs> the Cavaliers being the other. Did you ever wish you were in a, a corps that was uh, co-ed? Well, I, you know, we, we knew everybody from all the other corps, too, so I think that that was <laughs> maybe one of the, uh, you know, one of the fun parts. You know, one of the best advantages we had, we could use both bathrooms no matter what school we were at. So <laughs> It was less crowded, actually, you know, in a lot of ways. But um, no, I, I really, I think marching in that organization and what it is and how it started and all of those things, it's an honor to be a part of that. And one of the greatest experiences I have now is actually being able to work with other drum corps and seeing from my perspective of where I marched and now seeing how everybody else approaches it, you know, whether it's the Cavaliers or the Cadets or the Crossmen or the Bluecoats. All of those organizations we've seen now and we go out and work with and you get to see the organization from the inside out and it's really fascinating. You have a greater appreciation for the activity as a whole, not just your organization. Now the Madison Scouts just uh, celebrated a milestone in mm. that they just celebrated their 20th anniversary of using Yamaha products. That's unbelievable, <laughs> especially in today's age, you know, yeah. people yeah. are you know flying all over. So 20 years the Madison Scouts and the Yamaha Corporation of America mm -hmm. playing on the, on the instruments. When did you start with uh, Yamaha and how did that begin from the time you got out of the Madison Scouts until when you started here? What did you do in between and then how did your gig at Yamaha start? Yeah, after I aged out of the Scouts in 94, obviously had a lot of friendships and um, Jeff Moore at the time was still teaching the Corps and obviously was a Yamaha artist. And um, after finishing and completing school, I had to do this internship. It was a requirement to get the degree. Uh, I had looked all over the country for good programs, and Yamaha had what I think is the pinnacle of internships in the music industry. Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's, it's the largest company in the world making musical instruments, first of all. And then on top of that, they actually have a structured program for interns. One of the, th the proudest moments that I have of being an intern is just being handed tasks, you know, after doing a few times and being mentored, you, you were just handed tasks, do this, you know, call these people back, fix this for these people, or make sure that this is taken care of. I have to say, Jeff Morrow, being a connection through Yamaha as an artist was a, was a help, too, because he was able to vouch for me that I was a, a pretty good kid, if nothing else. <laughs> So. Well, I mean, we can yeah. argue that point, Joel, but we many, won't. Many times. I'm sure many have, yes. Uh, were you hired full-time right after your internship ended? Yeah, it was It was um, a, an interesting time in the, the structure of Yamaha. They were moving drum sets from Grand Rapids, Michigan to Buena Park in the fall of 97. There were some opportunities. I ended up working uh, after my internship. They, I did an interview, and they asked me if I wanted to work full-time for Yamaha, and it was in the accessory department, which is things like reeds, mouthpieces, sticks and mallets and, and drum heads and those kind of things. And I jumped at the opportunity just to be a part of the organization, just, just from the sheer experience I had of, of being an intern. It was such a great company to work for. I, in any way, just wanted to be involved as well. And then that blossomed into a position as a, an accessory product manager for percussion and then a product specialist and then a product manager as I am today. So um, just kind of a natural evolution for me being, you know, loving working for Yamaha so much, but then on top having a dream gig really of wanting to work with percussion and now I'm doing it. 
And you mentioned the relationship with the Scouts being 20 years. It's kind of surreal in a way. You, you just, it's hard to believe that you've been a part of two great organizations that have also have very, very strong ties together. Especially at that time, because in the mid-'80s when the Scouts started with Yamaha, mm. Yamaha had just begun to bring in first quality uh, percussion instruments into the United States market in the marching area. We had a lot of learning to do from you know the point we started importing drums in 1985. Um, there, was, there was a lot to learn about the activity in the school market. That, but Yamaha's real dedication to becoming involved with percussion is, is one, the, the strong relationships that music has within the horn or the wind instrument activity is so closely tied to percussion and, and being such a huge part of not, not just the business but the activity of music in general and the education thereof. So. Well, it's interesting for me, of course, and I'm sure for yourself, to be a part of a company that is not just a percussion company, that has all these other, you know, brass and woodwinds and strings, and, and that's just the band and orchestral division, and then there's the pro audio, uh, you know, combo division, and, uh, you know, I mean, so, so this is really a wild experience for me for the last six years that I've been a part of the Yamaha team. So, what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis as percussion product manager here at Yamaha? Uh, answer email. I think that's <laughs> that's what everybody does that's today. Right. Yeah. No. In in reality, it's it's a very daunting task. Um, we are marketing people. We're considered marketing people, not a sales staff necessarily. We do have a sale uh, sales staff that is represents our company to dealers, which then in turn sells product to customers. We're in, in really in charge of, one, as a product manager, developing the product for the next generation of Yamaha. That's one of our biggest responsibilities. Now, when you say product, what products are included in, in your realm? Good question. Um, marching percussion, uh, that would be the battery and pit percussion, and then concert percussion would be anything from timpani, marimbas, and vibraphones that you find in institutions or the professional level, and then student percussion, which would be the student percussion kits that we start our, our beginning students out on, so bell kits and snare drum kits and combination kits of thereof. So but, but not drum sets? No, we don't, uh, we don't develop the drum set uh, market per se. That is another division, and that resides within another division because of the kind of the sales channel or the selling structure that we have mm -hmm. at Yamaha. Uh, band and orchestral division is focused on school music education dealers, which would be dealers that uh, have road reps that visit schools and maintenance and rent uh, instruments, woodwinds, percussions, and so forth like that. Um, the PAC or Pro Audio Combo Division is, is uh, more focused on selling to uh, rock and combo dealers, as we kind of dub them, uh, dealers that basically sell guitars, drums, and keyboards or digital musical instruments and, you know, uh, pro audio, which would be like uh, PA systems and so forth like that. Different client base completely. Dif different client base and different sales channel. You know, there's really two separate businesses of Yamaha, just as there is between the motorcycles and music. <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of, a, if you will, a, a different client base or different crowd, yeah. Now, can a student or a teacher or a player contact you at Yamaha with a question about you know, what snare drum should I use or what size uh, tenor should I buy or or anything like that? Absolutely. We try and be as open as we can, and we also try and provide people with, you know, resources on the web or, you know, PDFs or guides, you know, to what what is this instrument created for? Is this a professional-level instrument, or is this something that an intermediate or a beginning student wants to start out on? We try and provide that as much as possible because 
there's a lot more customers than there are me. So <laughs> there's only so many emails I can answer in a day. And uh, so we try and provide people with as much information as we can to be helpful. And if they have advanced questions, you know, how do we customize things or what is what is the turnaround time to get something? Uh, maybe somebody's in a studio and they want something tuned 440 instead of 442. Uh, those kind of things, we're, we're always here to be a resource, not only to people with questions, but a resource to the industry. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what makes a Yamaha drum, a Yamaha drum, okay? And one of the things that I've noticed over the years in, in dealing with students and teachers and drumline guys and certainly with band directors who might not be a percussionist, in fact, most band directors are not percussionists, is that... Um, there seems to be a great deal of confusion about the nomenclature, the, the actual names for different parts of the drum. So could we start with this, the marching snare drum and, and let's go through it part by part and maybe you can uh, give the proper name and uh, what that part of the drum is designed to do. And uh, let's start out a little bigger picture. The, Yamaha makes three 14-inch marching snare drums, correct? Yes. And why don't you briefly describe the, the difference among the three? Well, starting from the, the top, um, our MTS drum, or multi-timbre snare, uh, that is basically what you'll find in most high-end competitive universities, um, some competitive schools, and, and definitely the drum corps idiom, if you will. Um, the MTS snare drum was developed in conjunction with um, a, a very good friend of ours, uh, Fred Sanford, back in the day, and as well, um, Joey Okamura, or Yukimasa Okamura-san, uh, who is a designer in Japan. Originally, the, the project was uh, looked at as a pipe drum, and then it developed into how do we augment what we consider more of a traditional American snare drum sound or American um, applications to the drum, and how do we augment those sounds now give our, our, our artists and our groups uh, an advantage or different timbres and sounds to make. When you say pipe drum, you mean a, a snare drum that is t traditionally used in a bagpipe band. Yeah. Pipe that and has fife, that, uh, yeah. Right, that yeah. has that very high pitched. And the reason it gets that unique sound is what? That top snare unit that's top snare under unit. the bottom, or the top head, yeah. Uh, so the MTS has two snare beds. Yes, it has one on the bottom, such as a traditional snare drum, and then there is another uh, top snare unit, as we call it, that is pushed up against the bottom of the top head, giving it uh, kind of a different higher timbre. Uh, we call it a multi-timbre because there are you, there's different zones that you can play in the drum which will give you different sounds. So it gives you not only color options but writing options as well. And sure. Uh, the, the top snares can be thrown off. Yeah. Right? right. So so with this one drum, you really have four combinations. Right. You can, both snares can be off. Right. The bottom snares can be on. Both snares can be on, right? Or top only could be on. Right. So that offers the writer and the player uh, many options that most other snare drums do not provide. Yes, and, and the great part about it is it's, it's an instant on-off throw. You, you mm -hmm. don't have any keys or cranks to mm -hmm. use, it's, um, which allows uh, if there's a passage that needs to be projected from the back of the field, or if there's a passage that needs more of a delicate touch, you may pull out different implements like uh, maybe bolero sticks or a certain type of stick that's much smaller, not traditionally used for marching, but can give you a much more articulate and softer sound. So it offers you many options, just as you've mentioned, with turning it on and off and all the different snare combinations, but as well, different implements will allow you to, it's limitless, really. Um, and then the great part about it is, if you turn it off, it's exactly identical to our SFZ snare drum. You can always get back to the traditional SFZ snare sound that, you've, that 
many people have been accustomed to and, and have learned to love, if you will. And the SFZ has no snares yeah. under the top. The, the traditional SFZ snare drum uh, is, yes, it, it's just a bottom snare only. So, And that's where we started back in 1993, the first SFZ drum was introduced. And then uh, late 98, 99, we introduced the first MTS snare drum. The MTS and the SFZ are both free-floating shells. Yeah, it, that's, that's something that's often uh, contested. There are some bolts. I call them Franken-bolts because if you remember Frankenstein had those little <laughs> bolts in his neck. Yeah. Um, we, I call them Franken-bolts. They're actually called sound, uh, power sound posts is the actual terminology for them. But those little bolts at the bottom of the shell actually were designed for many reasons. One is to make it very easy to align the bottom head and the tension rods uh, to go into the receivers, make it easy to change the head. The other thing is when we first designed the drum, we noticed that it resonated so well because of the way we construct the shell, the way that we created our bearing edge and the transfer of sound from that, that crown system to the shell, it actually, the snares spoke too much. They resonated too much, actually sustained too much. So what we did is we actually have this in kind of a dampening role. It actually reduces a little bit of the vibration of the shell to give the drum more articulation. And it stops what we call a kind of a, it would be in electronics, you'd call it crosstalk or unwanted uh, overtones or harmonics from kind of making the snares buzz extra. Or actually, if a snare drum is sitting next to another snare drum and playing, it's, you're not going to get those uh, sympathetic vibrations and mm -hmm. so forth. So, so the... MTS, the SFZ 14-inch, uh, are built in such a way that they can withstand the tension of a Kevlar head on top and or bottom. Yes, on the top for sure. The bottom, you always want to use a lot of care because it is just a six-ply mm -hmm. shell. And the reason, again, we use six-ply as opposed to a thicker or a thinner shell is because we felt that gave us the best sound. Uh, Joel, so the field core snare drum now, uh, what are the uses of that and what are the advantages in that drum? Yeah, the field core snare drum is basically where we left off in the late 80s, uh, uh, before Kevlar was developed. Uh, more of a traditional Mylar-sounding drum. Uh, basic advantages for that, it's, it's an all-wood shell. So there is the drum head is stretched over a wood-bearing edge as opposed to a, a metal-bearing edge like the MTS or SFZ. So the transfer of sound is better. It has a little darker sound due to that. And if you're going to use a Mylar head, it's, it's really the best drum for that. Uh, the Mylar drum head isn't appropriate for the SFZ or MTS just due to the not having a, a wood bearing edge. And the drum doesn't have the articulation or sound that you'd be looking for. So it's a great choice for somebody that's doing parade bands or somebody that's doing more traditional music that they want to use a Mylar sound on and, and have that characteristic to the sound. Thanks, guys. We'd like to hear from you. Send your comments, thoughts, and suggestions for future episodes to percussionquestions at yamaha.com. For more information on Yamaha Percussion, please visit www.yamahapercussion.com. Thank you for tuning in, and more importantly, thank you for your support of music education.